0: Christian movies, the good ones and the bad ones, frankly, all of them, on the whole, provide a right moral ecology. Uh, That is to say, uh, they present a world in which the hero is not the self-defining, self-expressing individual.
1: That's Jonathan Lehman, the editorial director at the Ministry of Nine Marks, and my guest on episode 13 of the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast.
0: We're on a mission from God.
1: If you've been around some of the more reformed circles of Christian ministries, you'll be very familiar with the ministry of Nine Marks. Nine Marks is devoted to equipping local churches to be healthy churches. I've followed and benefited from Nine Marks ministries for years. Having made the jump into the Christian film industry later in my career, I have to admit I've been bewildered by how poorly this genre of film is represented and how difficult it is to get anything produced and distributed. Filmmaking in general is a very hard nut to crack, but it seems Christian film has a double dose of difficulty, and it often makes me wonder if God really cares about His people or His church utilizing this medium for His purposes. Are Christian films valuable to the church, to the world, or are they just a frivolous amusement? This is why I invited Jonathan Lehman on this podcast, to give me a biblically sound, reformed churchman's perspective on Christian film. What, what are your thoughts in general about what's, what you've seen in the Christian film marketplace?
0: Yeah, I feel like it's, it's a mix, right? There, there's good things and there's bad things, things I like, things I don't like. Um, uh, l- l- let me start with what I like sure. What what I like Is that Christian movies The good ones and the bad ones Frankly, all of them On the whole Provide a right Sound a little academic uh, for, for, for a second A right moral ecology uh, th- That is to say uh, They present a world In which the hero Is not the self-defining, self-expressing individual. You look at Western movies in the last 23 years, who is the hero? The hero is always the person who stands up for himself, right? Whether we're talking about Dead Poet Society or Jason Bourne or whatever it is, the hero is the self-defining, self-expressing individual. That is the ethic of the day. Whereas Christian movies, they have this strange habit, like the Bible, of the hero being the person who submits the person who is broken, the person who who repents and finally kind of gets to the end of themselves. And that's true whether we're talking about like an old classic like The Mission or, you know, something new like Facing the Giants or Fireproof or, you know, whatever it is, Samson. Uh, The hero in Christian movies, and again, I think this is from Scripture, is the person who repents, the person who is broken, the person who reaches the end of themselves. Does that make sense?
1: yeah that does. that's a that's a good good way to put that. I, I hadn't even put that together as a value, but you're right. You're absolutely right about that. It, it's a moral uh, ecology. Uh-huh. That's what you called it right? or yeah, ecology.
0: I, I get that from Tim Keller. he talks about moral ecology being made up of you know your rules of right and wrong, but it's also who your heroes are. and it, it's 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 a society's heroes that are going to define for the next generation what we aspire to be, right? Now, how did Martin Luther King become Martin Luther King? He, did, he didn't do it just because he was in Sunday school classes, learning lessons of right and wrong. He, he, he lived in a neighborhood and in a community that had certain kind of heroes, right? And, uh, well, who are the heroes in, in, in America today or in the West today? Well, yeah. again, it's a person who stands up for himself. Whereas in scripture, the hero is King David when he submits, yeah. Right? As opposed to King Saul, who asserts his own way. Hmm. And in Christian movies, what makes... And again, this is the good movies and the bad movies. There's just this instinct that Christian film producers have, like Christian novelists, this instinct we all have to, that the hero is the person who reaches the end of themselves yeah. and finally submits and says, yes, okay, Lord, or whatever it is. That's
1: right. That, that's a very good point. Or... The, or or the western, the western hero is a guy who blows everything up and kills everybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that too. that too. good. And so in that sense, I, I don't mind my children watching. You know, I think we people people like to make fun of sometimes Christian movies and the quality of production and stuff like that. And and uh, you know, they sometimes they seem a little cheesy. I, I honestly don't mind that. Hmm. Because when my my kids are watching, so recently I had them watch, you can only imagine, Yeah. both whatever his name is, the lead singer of of Mercy Me, Bart something, and his dad, the two characters in that, they accomplish something. They find redemption when they submit, when they repent, when they break. And so I want my kids watching that.
1: Absolutely. I need
0: that. You know, I need that. Yeah. So... Oh. That's the big thing going I think for 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 Christian films.
1: Okay, how about the the negative? Any any criticisms in general that you could
0: Well, again, Todd, you asked me to think kind of theologically. So I I'm, I'm thinking big picture here, right? So so I gave you sort of the big picture theological what I like about the hero is the person who who repents. The the critique I would offer of many Christian film, films, this is not all of them, but many of them, is there's a kind of prosperity gospel latent within them. Yeah. Which is to say, when you repent, you'll get, you'll get everything. That, you right. know, you'll get health, wealth, happiness. So, I mean, a, a classic example would be Facing the Giants, right? I, did, did you ever see that one? Yes, I did. Well, I enjoyed it. It's a, it's a fun movie. But sure enough, when, when, when the coach finally, as it were, breaks and, and puts his trust in the Lord, what happens then? Well, then, lo and behold, the team wins everything. And if you read the Bible, you know that's just not true. You know that in this world sometimes we are going to lose. Your your wife is going to get cancer and die, and you will go bankrupt, and people will persecute you, and things don't always go well in this world. World, our hope is in the next world. Finally, right? And so that that's a risk. And this isn't this isn't a problem just for Christian movie makers. I think this is a problem for Christian novelists as well. How do you? How do you tell a story that compels people to move forward? Cause people want the happy ending, but the Christian message doesn't in this world always promise a happy ending. And, and so that's something I think Christian movie makers, and again, storytellers in general, need to be very cautious about, uh, that the hope, the hope we have is in Christ, uh, not in winning the Super Bowl, getting the girl, making a lot of money, making the business deal, whatever it is. Uh, so, yeah the idea there being Christianity becomes a means to some worldly end that that's when you know you're in a prosperity gospel, a health wealth gospel when i
1: when I was recently preaching through psalm twenty two uh which you know was Christ on the cross and that sort of thing he he's brought to the absolute end of himself, and there's this moment afterwards where there's a peace offering, and in that peace offering, he says that um that in they're looking forward to the day where um, those who were, were prosperous, those who were uh, rescued from their their trial, and those who died will rejoice together. And so I think we don't represent all three of those um, categories of people, you know, and, and and recognize that you know some people will die from the, the the trial that they they face, and that you can find joy in that.
0: I was going to say there there are Christian movies that don't have the happy ending. Yeah. I mean, I think of thing I don't know if you remember the older movie The Mission, which was one of my favorites back in the right show when that came out eighties, nineties. Where at the end, uh, Robert De Niro dies, and the tribe is destroyed, and it's it's a tragic yeah. ending. On the one hand, on the other hand, you you see the the, the conflict, and some of the philosophical dilemmas that Christianity will will present. Yeah. Um, or you think of a movie, and I don't know this would count as a "quote unquote" Christian movie. I think of a movie like Amadeus, right? What do you? Yeah, do you okay. Again, yeah. you, you see, you see the tragedy of covetousness, yeah. or even thinking of something like Anna Karenina, whether whether in the novel or the movie form. What What do you have? You see that both a woman and her husband utterly enslaved to their sin, and I think that that's a good message to learn. Yeah,
1: right? for sure.
0: So i I think I think the "quote unquote." you know, we can have another conversation as to what counts as a Christian movie. But I think, I don't think you have to have the prosperity gospel ending or the everything works out happy ending in order for there to be a redemptive message.
1: I think some of it is also the the moralistic therapeutic deism as well that that pervades. It's all these things have sort of become part of our cultural mindset, whether we, we agree with it or not. It's, it's just there. It's so present. And Maybe filmmakers just default to that, um, especially when they're dealing with a genre. I think that some of the genres of of film tend to force the the story or the narrative into certain trajectories, um, and it just seems natural that that would be the ending. You know, they have to have this nice happy ending where everything you win, they get the girl, they get the prize, they get you know all that. Um, but you know, I think thoughtful filmmakers uh, can step back and re-engineer their stories to fit the genre, to you know, show the glory of Christ over the trials and suffering and loss of that they find in life. Uh, well, yeah, example. I think
0: that is. I think that is possible. I, I, I have a tough time thinking of contemporary recent movies that have done that, though I I trust they are. I keep kind of going back to the 80s and 90s. I mean, I think think of *Cherries of of Fire. Right? There's a a classic Christian movie where uh, he makes a sacrifice. Eric Liddell makes a sacrifice for the sake of his faith. He doesn't run the 100-beater dash. He runs the 400 instead. He wins. He gets the gold medal. That's the happy ending we're all looking for. Yet at the same time, there's, you see the struggle, you see the loss, you, you know, he ends up as a missionary. So I think it can, Hey, look, I love happy endings, right? <laughs> especially now that I'm in my forties and life is hard enough on its own I'm not always looking for the, the big thoughtful drama. Sometimes I just want a happy ending. So I'm right. all for the happy endings, but yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a way that can be done in a way that doesn't turn Christianity into God into a vending machine. And yeah. a, a, to use your phrase, moral therapeutic deism sort of way. Um, it's just it takes a little more thoughtfulness. And, you and know, right. I don't know, maybe it means a smaller audience.
1: One of the things that I love about the medium of film one is the reach. And I think the storytelling aspect has a potential that has not been tapped by Christian filmmakers yet. I think Uh we can be far more profound, far more theological, and bring things into play in in the cinematic narrative using all of the great tools that we have uh, in this art form to to teach things and and demonstrate things that that are hard to do otherwise. Uh, You know, I I I interviewed uh, Kevin Van Hooser. And, you know, one of his things is theological
0: uh, theodrama, you know, taking
1: theology and putting it into dramatic form to help the church. His idea was to help the church embody that, you know, because we ought to be putting theology on display Mm -hmm. in our lives. And I took that and said, you know, we ought to be embodying theology and putting that on display in our movies, and uh, that, that's what sort of where well, I'm let me,
0: let me take you into my world just to make an analogy for a second. I, I write books and I help others write books, working for a ministry called Nine Barks, And uh, most of the books we write are for church leaders. They are uh, theological. They tend to be fairly didactic, like, you know, here's a Bible passage. Let me tell you how this applies to your church, right? And what, what occurs to me, though, the reason I love reading novels and love watching movies is precisely for the reasons you're saying, that that narrative is powerful, few years ago, in fact, I, I read the book. This was about a decade, 15 years, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, Blue Like Jazz, you remember that? Did you ever read that one?
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Okay, well, what, whatever you think of Donald Miller's worldview, and I'm, I'm not a big Donald Miller fan, it, it was a powerful book. He communicated a worldview. He communicated a vision. He communicated, again, the phrase moral ecology by telling a story, a very transparent, open, interesting story. And it occurred to me, okay, what my own ministry needs is 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 a book uh, that accomplishes the same thing, that tells a story, that communicates a worldview in a powerful way, but with, I, I hope, better theology, right? Um, I've, I've told my colleagues, we, we need our nine marks blue like jazz. That's what we're looking for. Ah, do.
1: that's an interesting point.
0: Uh, but that's what, you're exactly right, Todd. Uh, I think Christians should be able to, and learn how to, look, I'm a theology guy, but I still want Christians to do a better job of tapping into the power of narrative and cinema specifically because it communicates a worldview. It develops a moral ecology. Here's the dilemma. Tim, this lecture I heard kind of a private lecture thing with Tim Keller. He made the point, why is it that, you know, our kids are growing up in Sunday school class and they learn all the lessons about biblical morality, but then they go off to college and immediately abandon it, immediately drop it. Well, that's because they've been imbibing a cultural worldview in everything from uh, Beauty and the Beast to uh, uh, Frozen to, again, the various popular movies of the day in which the hero is the self-defining, self-exalting individual. That's right. right. That's, that's, that's the hero in our kids' minds. So when they get to college and they're surrounded by, or out into the world, and they're surrounded by people saying this non-biblical morality, uh, all of that inside of them sort of kicks in, and it just makes sense. Like, well, isn't loving people letting them be who they're supposed to be, Dad?
1: Right. That's right. And
0: I, I, I think uh, I think Christian movies, Christian novels, Christian art in general, but let's, let's focus on movies right now. I think are a powerful, potentially extremely helpful way for developing a, um, a a right and biblical moral ecology. And so again, that's why that's why I'm happy to let my kids watch movies that, by you know, may not always be as as good as the latest Avengers movie. Um, but I think what I'm hoping it's doing is is helping my kids and, again, myself, develop a, a better sense of who the hero is from a biblical perspective.
1: Right. So you can see, like, like Kevin Van Hooser said, that Christian filmmakers can be allies to the church. Do you see uh-huh. that? Would you say the same thing?
0: Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. I, 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 would, I, would, I would think exactly that. Um, well, think about Ephesians 4. He's given us apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers... To equip the saints for the work of the ministry and building up of the body of Christ. Okay, so you got pastors preaching the Bible. Who are they preaching the Bible to? Well, to plumbers, teachers, electricians, lawyers, doctors, and writers and filmmakers. Right. Mm, yeah. And those writers and filmmakers uh, should uh, be asking themselves, okay, how can I work as under Christ in this particular medium? Now, that might be making quote unquote Christian. Film, right. Christian stories, it might be doing something that's not explicitly Christian at such, but is clearly reinforcing and promoting a kind of uh, biblical or Christian worldview or perspective in some form or fashion, both for the sake of the saints, for the sake of the church, but also for the sake of the world, right? In different, mm-hmm. in different ways. So yeah. in that sense, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think Christian movie producers should be allies, as you put it. So
1: being a church guy, you know a lot about church history, I'm sure. Um, why do you think the church was so resistant to embracing the cinema for almost 100 years, it seems? Because when I grew up, uh, my parents had just come out of an era in a Southern Baptist church where they believed that going to the, the cinema was evil.
0: Yeah, no, my my, my father tells me stories of... Of never being allowed to go to movies. In fact, he wasn't until it was. He was in college in the nineteen late nineteen sixties. He he was allowed to. He he went to movies. His his parents never allowed them to. Hmm. Uh, You know, honestly, brother, I'm I'm not a historian. I I don't know that I could give a a super informed answer. Uh, I think Christians were very suspicious of new mediums, both television and radio, even and and certainly movies, uh, up into the forties and fifties and sixties, even. Um, so that that wasn't unusual. Uh, I think they saw the power of the medium for 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 one, right? Mm-hmm. It it is powerful. You watch a movie and you are engrossed for two hours. Yeah. You walk out and you continue to sort of think about it and stew on it, and it, it changes the way people think. Yeah. Um, I, I would I would say the moral revolution that Christians have experienced in the last, or rather the the world has experienced in the last oh 30 50 years even since the 1960s probably would not have happened without television and movies um, I mean it wasn't until uh, just you know think think of uh, perceptions of the LGBT movement in say the right. 1990s well I think I think television and movies had a lot to do with that so I think from the beginning Christians recognized the power of of, of movie uh, making, and were very suspicious and leery of it. Uh, I think moving in the 1950s, a, a number of neo-evangelicals, so-called, uh, recognized, look, culture can be used for good or for ill. Let's start trying to use it for good. And uh, the, the media, or the medium of, of movie making itself is a neutral thing, right? It's, yeah, uh, like I said, you can use it for good or ill, um, and I think Christians are foolish when they don't exercise discernment in the kind of things they do watch or consume. I think we need to exercise care in what we fill yeah. our minds with. Nonetheless, I think it is a it is a a tool that can be used for great good.
1: Um, do you find that there is still that latent idea that that today that uh, cinema is evil?
0: It might in be church? out there. It yeah, might be out church. there in some circles. I, I confess, I, I am not in those circles. I don't ever encounter people saying that.
1: Because mm. I, I have encountered some who feel like the cinema is a threat to the pulpit.
0: Well, I will say this I think God has ordained that, or let me put it this way from, from, from Genesis 1 on. God has always created his people by speaking. He mm-hmm. creates the universe by speaking. He called Abraham out of Ur by speaking. You know, the vision of the valley of the dry bones where the, where the prophet Ezekiel comes and preaches and life with the spirit comes to the bones. Where does faith come from? It comes from hearing, Paul says in Romans mm-hmm. 9. So I do think the pulpit is, should be the center of the Christian ministry, of the church's life. Absolutely. Preacher. So, so long as that's clear, and so long as that is at, at the center of a church's ministry, a uh, center of a church gathering, yeah, I i don't see what the problem is. Um, outside of that, I, no, I would not replace the sermon with a movie.
1: Oh no, absolutely not. <laughs> you know?
0: So if people <laughs> are concerned about that. Well, then I share the concern. I've not yeah. encountered that. Yeah. Um, we, no, I we,
1: haven't either. And, and I, I, I'm even very strongly opposed to uh, preachers using any kind of movie clip in a church service as, a, as sort of su- of support, like an illustration. Yeah. Because what it does is it sucks you in, mm-hmm. and suddenly you're competing against a multi million dollar project that hundreds of creative people have spent countless hours trying to manufacture the most the strongest emotional draw into that thing. And you can't compete. There's no preacher who can compete uh, with that kind of thing. Once you put that up on the screen and then you turn it off, everybody in the audience wants you to leave it on and shut up and sit down. You know? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's just an unrealistic thing for a preacher to do that.
0: I, was, I wasn't going um, to say it, but yeah, I agree with you entirely. <laughs> I, I just think I remember youth group and a lesson on uh, faith and Indiana Jones Temple of Doom, or not Temple of Doom, the, the third one, Last Crusades. You know, he steps off steps off the ledge and it demonstrates faith. Yeah. So that that, that was my illustration from, from high school youth group of what faith looked
1: okay, like. Okay, great. Um, if you had one word to Christian filmmakers, what would you say to them?
0: I, I think I would just go back to the first two things I'd said. I, I'd say one of the powerful things that you can do is pr- present a picture of the life that comes when we submit to God or God's law, or we, we, we come to the end of ourselves and we, we repent of our sins. There's lots of ways of demonstrating that, or, or you present the person who doesn't, and they just fall deeper and deeper into tragedy. And again, I think of Anna Karenina being a, a good illustration of that. Um, and at the same time, I would say, beware the prosperity gospel. Those would be the yeah. kind of two things I, I would want to uh, uh, kind of keep in front of uh, people who are uh, workers of this particular craft.
1: One, one more question, if you if you have time, how do how should Christian filmmakers view uh, the passage in in Timothy where there's qualifications for those who are preaching and teaching, being a sound doctrine, rightly handling the word of truth? How would you apply that to Christian filmmakers?
0: Well, I think a Christian filmmaker should be careful never to teach anything untrue now obviously paul uh, paul there is addressing timothy in, in light of the church's ministry and pastoral responsibility so its first application mm-hmm. is is to teachers elders pastors and churches nonetheless it clearly applies to all of us that w- w- whatever our industry is whatever work we're doing is is we want to represent truth rightly and scripture rightly right and and uh, being sloppy being careless Uh, with scripture, it's, it's like, it's like you take a gun and angle it three degrees off. Well, a few, you know, few feet out of the barrel, that three degrees doesn't make much of a difference, but let that bullet travel for, you know, a mile. And that three degree difference is, is, is pretty, pretty significant and where it should have been. Right. I think that, uh, Scripture mishandled is like that. Uh, we can be lazy. Well, I know the text kind of means this, but let me, you know, let, let me put it this way. Well, then it's your wisdom. It's not God's wisdom, and it's right. God's wisdom that gives life, that causes uh, blind eyes to see, deaf ears to hear, uh, dead bodies to rise up. It's God's wisdom, not my wisdom, not your wisdom. So that's why we need to rightly handle the word of truth.
1: I love that illustration, Jonathan. That's fantastic. Jonathan thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Uh, you, you know, you guys at Nine Marks, I, I idolize you guys. I shouldn't idolize you, I know, but um I just I just think the world of you and what you're doing there. The ministry that you, that you and Mark have created is is incredibly helpful to the church. It's been helpful to my um my efforts as an elder and guiding me as well in my oh, church. Oh, that's right.
0: That's so incredible.
1: You know just to have you here talking about you know what I'm trying to do and in, in, in this career and uh, in the cinema uh, is you, you've given me some great stuff to chew on thank you so much
0: well brother I, I'll, I'll pray for you and I, I, uh, please you, do you're having this conversation with me makes me mindful of praying for others in the industry I, I think it's important work so th- thank you for pushing all of us to think more carefully about it.
1: Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. That's 2 Timothy 2.15. Jonathan's illustration of this verse is brilliant. A few degrees off might not be very significant in a small group, but broadcast that widely through the reach of cinema and the consequences could be considerable. I think it's very important for Christian filmmakers to grasp this biblical truth and to be tenacious in making sure that their theology in their movies is biblical and accurate. Jonathan has authored a number of books, and one of his latest is How the Nations Rage, Rethinking Faith and Politics for a Divided Age. I'd encourage you to get this book. You'll find a link at our website. And if you're a church or ministry leader, you should be familiar with Nine Marks. They have a wealth of resources available, including books, online journals, and a podcast that I, I must have listened to almost everything they've ever produced. You'll find them at 9marks, the number 9marks.org. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast. You can find show notes for this episode and more information about us at ministryofmotionpictures.org.
0: What we do in life... Echoes in eternity.